Play fake. Young goes deep middle. He's got Jerry Rice. Touchdown 49ers. Welcome to another edition of the 49ers Family Podcast, where three generations of 49ers fans break down the game each week and hear from Grandpa Mike as he shares personal experiences since he became a fan in 1949. Well, I'm excited for another episode of 49ers Family. I will be honest, I'm not very excited to break down the, the game. Uh, we all, in the last episode, talked about how, you know, Denver, uh, specifically, you know, Russell Wilson, they haven't, they haven't shown out, but they found a way to stay in the, those games, even though when their offense was sputtering, and man, did they find a way to stay in this game, and the Niners just didn't take care uh, of business, didn't take advantage of their opportunities. Um, Grandpa, how are you feeling? Um, I know you ride or die with these, with these guys. Well, Grandpa's not well, Josh. Oh. <clears throat> Late Sunday night, I had to check into suicide prevention. <laughs> I knew there was a suicide prevention down on Jefferson in Temecula. Um, <clears throat> but they just let me out for this podcast. So I've got something around my ankle. I, don't, I, they're, I think they're tracking me. Anyway, um, <clears throat> the game, it was an embarrassment. It was... In, on national TV, it was just a disgrace. I, <clears throat> I mean, <clears throat> there's not enough lipstick to make this pig presentable. Um, we scored 10 points in two of our three games. And Kyle <clears throat> is a genius offensively. We're not scoring. We have the players. And it's just very frustrating. One for 10 on third downs. We had three rushing first downs, turned the ball over three times. Um, the safety stepping out of the end zone, you got to know where you are. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, I, geez, we lost by one point. One point. Very, very frustrating um, to me. Uh, we scored three points in the final 53 minutes. And that's just deplorable. It so, is. I, I'm down in the dumps. Yeah, Dad, how are you feeling? Um, I, I'm disappointed. I mean, I really thought we had, uh, we should have won that game. Um, it was uh, a, kind of just a slugfest, a defensive battle. I didn't realize how good defensively Denver is, even ranked defensively. Um, it was a defensive battle. We couldn't move the ball. We turned the ball over three times. That was the difference in the game, really. Statistically, as you look at us on paper, um, uh, Garoppolo and Wilson, uh, Garoppolo statistically had actually a little slightly better game than Wilson, you know, on paper. Um, turning over the ball gave uh, Denver more time of possession. They had like 34 minutes. We had 26 minutes. When you give up the ball, you don't have, you don't get to control the clock. And in a tight game like this, it was a one point game. Um, turnovers are humongous. So, um, it, it was uh, slated to be a low scoring game, even by the, um, I guess the, those who know, but uh, I figured we were going to be able to light it up a little bit offensively with our uh, skilled positions, but um, defensively slugfest three turnovers to me, 
uh, Jimmy G made a couple little mistakes, but uh, statistically looking at his body of work, it wasn't as ugly as it looked when we saw the game, but one point we had every opportunity to do it. We just couldn't get her done. Couldn't get her done. Yeah, no, I agree with a lot of points you just said. Uh, you know, really, it comes down to taking advantage of opportunities. And the Niners defense, they did their job. They did their job. They held them to 3.7 yards per play. I saw something on Twitter that said the 85 Bears that are known for their stout defense they allowed like something like 4.1 you know yards uh, per play that entire season, and the fact that the Niners have lost two games while holding the offense, the opposing offense, to less than four yards per play, shines a light on the offense of the Niners. That the Niners' offense is struggling, and it's it is very confusing. It's like what the heck, Kyle is supposed to be this offensive genius, but why aren't things clicking? Last week, Jimmy G said it was like riding a bike. And now this week he said he's rusty. I mean, it's all whatever. Um, but it is, uh, it is definitely concerning. I did not think that we would be one and two after the first three games of the season. Uh, if anything, I thought we'd be three and oh, or two and one, uh, you know, but <clears throat> it's still early. It's, you know, it's a marathon of a season. Grandpa, you and I were talking about how Really, there's a lot of parity in the NFL right now uh, that this whole entire even the the Bengals um, are, are not looking that good right now. So so that went to the Super Bowl last year. So, you know, we find ourselves one and two. We, we should be OK. The only problem is that we're headed into the hardest part of the schedule. Um, but before we get to that. You know, um, looking more at the box score, some things that really, you know, jumped out at me were obviously the third down conversions. We were 0 for 9 before converting on our 10th. Uh, that was a nice throw by Jimmy. But it just, the whole entire time, it, it, both offenses, honestly, um, besides the first, no, I guess the, the second drive that the Niners had, the whole game was just ugly and just a, a complete punt fest. Punt fest. Uh, if, if good, it was a good punt fest too. I mean, that was worth the price of admission, to be honest with you. Special teams and punting. I mean, geez. That yeah, was, it's yeah. true. It's true. Uh, Grandpa, what were some of your, your other thoughts? Um, you know, well, on I, the game and then going forward. Yeah, uh, Jimmy missed some open receivers. That concerns me. Um, <clears throat> the offensive line, I mean, there was a lot of pressure on Jimmy, and especially after Trent Williams went down, um, <clears throat> that concerns me going forward. Um, it's, um, you know, we're, we've got to win this game against the Rams. We can't go one and three and yeah. expect to have a playoff type season so we're digging a hole we you know there's so many things that we really haven't played anybody yet and we're one and two and we've scored 10 points in two of those games and it just baffles me i i don't really understand it i'm starting to question uh kyle shanahan and you know he's known as this genius and this you know, creates all this movement on offense, but we don't score any points. 
right uh you know i so it is break out of this it is starting to have people question kyle um because uh you know a couple things you know more about the box score and just getting utilization and kind of just trying to un understand you know what happened uh debo samuel that for the first two games of the season was averaging over six yards a carry he only had uh five attempts for six yards ouch and it's, it, that that honestly scares me because it makes me wonder did denver figure out something that now the rest of the other teams are going to try and replicate uh it worries me because they, they were doubling Debo all day long. And Jimmy was trying to force it to, to Ayuk or trying to force it to freaking Debo Samuel when he's triple covered and it resulted in, uh, in an interception. That was a, just a very dumb throw. Denver made a conscious decision to take Debo out of the game. So they had two guys on him all night and they took him out of the game. Yeah. He was open a couple of times, but... Um, Belichick does that. That's what his claim to fame is. Whoever he plays, he takes their star out of the game. And you've got to go to number two. He used to do that against Jerry Rice. And all of a sudden, Jerry Rice had one catch for six yards. And, you know, he just, that's what, that's what wins games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Kyle, we'll see, how, you know, how, and we'll talk about a little bit more about the Rams game, of course, but you know, Kyle historically has been what has done well against the Rams and Aaron Donald because he schemes away from him and finds ways to take Aaron Donald out of the game. Uh, NFC Championship was a good you know, uh, example of that. He was nowhere to be seen on the stat sheet uh, because he wasn't around the ball until he got around the ball in the fourth quarter. And uh, we know how that ended. Uh, but, you know, it is uh, it is a little concerning. Um, it's early in the season. I think there is some rust uh, from Jimmy not being around the receivers, the team, everything. Uh, I mean, when's the last time that <laughs> you literally have a guy that didn't practice with the team, wasn't throwing to the receivers, and then starting in the second week of the season, he's the starter. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand. Go ahead. I was going to say this is Jimmy G's preseason. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he is. He came out kind of just out of the shoot last game had to pick up uh, for Trey and I did a fine job. Um, this game was kind of like uh, a starting uh, game and it was like a preseason for him. He's literally getting used to the offense and kind of working out the rust. I really did love that second drive. It was all the just quick passes, you know, within a second, the ball was out of his hands. It was single looks. Uh, he didn't have to um, go through his progressions at all. It was quick, bam, bam, bam. Um, I love that. I mean, I felt like, man, we are moving the ball and we're mixing up a little run here and there. So uh, I think that is actually what a lot of scheming that I think um, Shanahan's going to use in uh with uh, grappolo a little bit um but i think i mean i it looked awful to watch but again looking statistically at what happened we're disappointed we didn't put the points on the board um but i'm 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 still very optimistic and we're only you know three games into the season right. um 
And uh, I'm excited to play the Rams, I'll be honest with you. I think we match up real well. And the Rams are a different team this year. I mean, they really are. Looking over their stats and where they're at, um, it's it's going to be a good matchup. But um, box score-wise, I just stands out to me again was the uh, turnovers. Our defense played very well. Um, and Hafunga uh, was flying all over. I mean, I got a lot of information on on our defense but yeah they're 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 killing it right now so it's they're killing it but let's talk about that for a second they're killing it with uh, in regards to yards per play and Mm -hmm. three and outs they had how many three and outs uh but what they are lacking is is turnovers and that was something that we expected to see more of especially coming out of training camp there were a lot of turnovers they were our defense is forcing a lot of turnovers and maybe that now shines a light on the fact that maybe the offense was giving up more turnovers than the defense was earning those turnovers because just tur- two turnovers forced within the first three games. I think the, you know, we all know how, how much turnovers can affect a game and especially in a low scoring game, especially in this game that we gave them three and we weren't able to get any if one of those falls our way, especially that one where um, Charverius Ward, I think, punches the ball out, and I was, I was just like, oh, like with the, I think it was inside the five yard line. That's a game changing play. That's huge. And if I remember correctly, they they then drove down the field. I think they got to about midfield and flipped it, and we started. And that might have been when we got pinned on the on the one and ended up in the safety. So those things, ah, oh, man. We got to find a way to to force those turnovers. The yards per play is great, and the way that they're playing is great. But we need we need some of those, especially to help out the offense. So when you look at the box score, all of everything is really very even, including the score, eleven to ten, except for one, and that's number of plays, and that's yep. what the turnovers do. So Denver had seventy plays, we had fifty-two. Yep. You, you know. Um, and it, it just, you know, that's putting too much pressure on the defense. They, they were phenomenal. I mean, just phenomenal. Our defense is going to be just outstanding all year and it's going to be fun to watch them against the Rams because <clears throat> what's really improved is our past defense with Ward, um, and Hufenga, but, um, yeah, so we- this, this Monday night, is going to be a classic. Yeah, I'm excited to see Kittle get involved. You know, Kittle, this is his first game back. I think he had four receptions. Uh, I mean, a total of like 28 yards or something like that. So um, he's, you know, coming back from his groin injury. He's going to be another weapon. I think Jimmy G, that's somebody kind of dragging across the middle or whatever, but it's going to be a nice outlet. Um, get Kittle involved. Ayuk, we are stacked. I mean, if we can get the ball in Ayuk's hands or Debo's hands, Wilson, I like, he runs hard. He's doing great. And then we got Kittle now back as a weapon. So, um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, defensively, just talking about more stats. I mean, we only allowed 2.8 yards per rush, you know, through three games of the season defensively. That's a huge statistic. We've only allowed, let's see, we only allow 148 yards passing per game statistically number two ranked defense in the nfl i mean these guys are 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 just shutting people down and um 
the Rams don't run the ball very well at all. Um, they've really struggled with um, Henderson and I forget who else, but they're a passing team. So, um, and we are strong on the front line, defensive end. We've got Bosa and Epicom and those guys. And plus we got the secondary. I mean, it is, it is a really tough team to pass against. We, yep. have to, we have to do something about Cooper Cup. Oh, yeah, we'll shut him down. Yeah, that's going to, that'll be how what they did to Debo, we're going to do to Cup. Yeah, Cup's yeah. got seven, no, he's got four of their seven touchdowns for the season, or is he, he seven? He just, he just gets open, but the way he gets open, he primarily lines up in the slot. And so the nickel back is guarding him. And that's usually a team's fifth best cover man. And he just leaves them behind. So um, Cooper Cup is a weapon. And that's the guy we've got to take out of the game. We shut him down. He's got four of their seven touchdowns for the season. I mean, he's got over 50% of the load of touchdowns. Um, and then the other, there's three other touchdowns in the whole season. Cooper Cup is the key. That's the only thing they have going right now, I'll be honest with you. Looking at their, their stats, that's all they got. Yeah, and last year he was, he's phenomenal. I mean, he's tough, he's quick, he's elusive, he gets open. Um, I just, he has me scratching my head all the time. It's like, how do you get open? But he does. So, um, but what you do, you know, like when they take Debo out of the game by doubling him, then somebody else has single coverage and you go, you go to that guy and, and let, make him pay. So, you know, um, it'll be interesting to see what the matchup is with Cooper Cup. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, um, yeah, it's interesting. on we go. Yeah. And, you know, as we kind of started to talk about the Rams, you know, uh, obviously, you know, <laughs> we have this saying on this podcast that we're losing a starter a game. I uh, hate to see Trent Williams go down with a high ankle sprain uh, projected to be out four to six weeks. You know, that will depend on how his recovery goes. That could be six to eight weeks. He will be back uh, just a matter of time. And then as, as well as Aziz Alshire uh, is going to be out two months with a, an MCL sprain. Yep. Don't like to see that. Uh, Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner do a good job, but uh, Aziz Alshari is a good third uh, linebacker when they bring him in. So we will we'll see that you know, we should be okay on that side. But I am, um, and I want to get you guys' thoughts on this. What do we do at left tackle? Trent Williams is is definitely, you know, arguably, but I, I'm biased, so definitely the best left tackle in the game. Yep. And, I don't think we're prepared to fill that spot for, for six weeks. I'm nervous. They were killing Jalen Moore and then killing Colton, Colton McKivitz. Right. So what they, do you do? Well, I mean, you got to go with what you have and that's what we have. And what's going to happen is Kittle. Kittle's going to be over there. Yeah. He's going to, he's, he's going to do a lot of blocking. Um, but when Trent Williams went down, his two replacements, Jalen Moore and, uh, Colton McCavitts, there were, <clears throat> they had 12 pass blocking plays after Williams went down and they allowed two sacks. I mean, not good. Mm -hmm. so, um, I'm nervous as well, Josh. I mean, we've got 
basically a new center, two new guards, and now a new left tackle. That's and and our backup quarterback. Um, that and this is his blind side. So you like like we said last week. Now yeah. you got to guard Jimmy G with your life because if he goes down, this is not this is not a Super Bowl roster without a, a capable quarterback. Yeah. Even after a, a bad game in Jimmy G, Jimmy G can still take us there. I do not think Brock Purdy is going to take us to the Super Bowl. Jimmy G is going to be fine. Um, he is, you know, rusty. He's not game ready. But one of the the thing about Jimmy G, he knows the playbook. Yeah. And it's a very complicated playbook. If you brought in Joe Bag of Donuts, we were, you know, they'd be totally lost. Jimmy knows the playbook. He does have to sharpen his skills. And, um, you know, they said, Kyle said that um, Kittle and Jimmy just, you know, aren't game ready. Um, so anyway, we have to be ready on Monday night. And for whatever reason, when McVeigh came into the league as a head coach and Shanahan at the same time, Shanahan owns McVeigh, and um, but McVeigh has a much better record. Um, so anyway, we've played really well against the Rams since these coaches the last six years, and let's just hope that continues on Monday night. We're favored to win. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. So yeah, uh, Monday night football. We all love Monday night football. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, it's at home, Levi Stadium. Uh, kickoff is at 5.15 Pacific time. Uh, get to have Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on the call now that they're with ESPN and not Fox. It's kind of funny to hear them on Monday Night Football after hearing them uh, with Fox for so long. It's going to be a great weather forecast, a beautiful night for some football. Uh, and yeah, as you said, Niners are favored right now by one and a half points, uh, which is surprising coming off of the loss. Yep. Uh, but also you look statistically and yeah, I, I say that's a, that's a, that's a fair estimate. I think we're actually a good matchup for this game and they're going to give us a few points for home, home field advantage. But to me, it's about a toss up. If not, the Niners have a little bit of an advantage and that's what the, the, the spread is saying. So if we win this game, we're two and two and the Rams are two and two. So it's, you know, start over. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a must win. We have to, we can't go one and three and they go three and one. And we're two games behind after four have been played. Um, <clears throat> so it's, it's a real important game. And the Niners will be up for it. Um, and <clears throat> like Jared said earlier, the Rams are a different team. They, they lost 15 guys from their, their um, Super Bowl roster. And their offensive line has really got some questions. Mm -hmm. Their left tackle retired. And, you know, they've, their center is banged up. So, um, you know, we'll put some pressure on Stafford. Yeah, I think um, our, our biggest challenge, I mean, I'm very, I feel really good about the Rams. I mean, I feel good at every game so far, but um, the thing that does scare me is Trent Williams. That is that that's going to be where the game is made or lost is Trent Williams being out. Um, how we handle that. That's probably, you know, given the other team seven points, just missing 
Trent, you know, on the left guard, you know, so, but um, Kittle, I think we'll be helping him out and we're going to find ways to get her done defensively. Uh, Aaron Donald is and Jalen Ramsey are there. That's their defense. I mean, on the, their front line defensively, Aaron Donald's doing the work right now. Um, there's not a whole lot there. They've lost a lot of players. Von Miller's gone. Um, and Jalen Ramsey's roaming out. Jalen Ramsey is there was a, a number one draft pick, you know, and the Rams got him. I don't know. Where did he come from? So, Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Um, Hafunga is matching him statistically in the first three games. I mean, we have Hafunga who's, you know, really matching Jalen Ramsey's stats. Um, I wrote them down there. It's, it's huge. I mean, Hafunga has 21 um, tackles. Ramsey 16. Hafunga has four uh, tackles for loss. Ramsey one. Uh, they each have one interception. Um, three pass deflections. Hufunga for four to Jalen Ramsey. I mean, it's it's crazy. And and Ward too. Chavarius Ward almost statistically is very similar to Jalen Ramsey. We got two incredible um, you know DBs back there. And then our front line is hands down um defensively is you know number one in the league you know on, on when it comes to the line so um the best in football what's also interesting when you look at the rams they have a total different philosophy as really the rest of the league and they've traded their first round draft picks um for seven straight years when everybody else treats first round picks as gold you know um the Rams haven't had a first-round draft pick since they drafted Jared Goff out of Cal in 2016. And then a few years later, they traded him and got Stafford. But that's how they got Ramsey, a couple of first-round picks. That's how they got Stafford, a couple of first-round picks. Um, they traded a first-round pick for Brandon Cooks, who's no longer with the team. Um, th so they are mortgaging their future for today. And it's gonna, they're gonna run into a couple of problems. So when they are getting all these all-stars, they're gonna have salary cap problems and they're all gonna get old at one time. It's, you know, Bill Walsh used to say, every year you have to have turnover. You need 10, 12 new guys just to keep your team young. And the Rams haven't done that. Right, no, it is. Draft. It is interesting to see their philosophy and right or wrong. I'm not sure, but they did win the Super Bowl last year. So uh, they, they cashed out, if, you know, they did, uh, which was, which is, you know, good for them. They, they earned it. Uh, but they, they were, won. they were lucky. I look at, look at this. The Rams played at home and they played Cincinnati. They should have played Buffalo or Kansas city. So they lucked out with really a lesser opponent, in my view, and they played at home. I mean, it was just ideal, but they did win the Super Bowl. So we have to give that to them. Um, I just feel they were really fortunate. Yeah, no, agreed, agreed. And, you know, people, you know, look back at all of Tom Brady's success in the AFC, specifically coming out of the AFC East and try and put that asterisk on his his yeah. championships as well and yeah did he come out of the easiest division probably did he have the bye yes every single time and yeah. so getting to the super bowl 
especially in a, such a physical sport uh, like football. Yeah, it was it was easier for him than it was for other people. Right. Uh, um, so it's it is interesting. Um, I'm excited about this Rams game, though. I mean, historically, you know, we we do match up well against them. We've played, as you said, Grandpa, play well against them. Uh, and you know, it's, it's, I, as much as I'm a Niners and a Giants fan and I can't stand the Dodgers and there is now, I feel like since the Seahawks have been on their decline, especially now that Russell Wilson isn't there, there's still definitely a rivalry with Seattle, but I feel like the rivalry with LA is stronger you know, than it's ever been. I, grandpa, is it, would it, would it, um, sorry. Did it used to be like that when the Rams were in LA? Rivalry with the Rams goes back to 1950, and it was severe. I mean, you hated them, and they manhandled us for many years. They in the series, um, which is now this is going to be the 147th game. We started in 1950. We basically play them twice a year, um, and going into the 70s and in the going until Joe Montana showed up in 1981 I mean he showed up in 79 but um, we started beating the Rams in the 80s the Rams were 20 games ahead of us in the series and now we're like eight ahead of them this thing has flipped flop we've gained like 28 games on the Rams uh, since 1981. The other thing is, we have played very well on Monday nights. And when you look at the all-time Monday night football standings, we're actually have the second most wins. Pittsburgh has 54. We have 50 in second place. Dallas has 49. Uh, Miami has 43. And the Rams only have 33. So we play, and, and Monday night games are against a very tough opponent. They're not gimmies. So we've played very well on Monday nights, and um, we have two Monday night games this year, this next Monday night against the Rams, and then, as you mentioned a while back, Josh, Mexico City against Arizona. Yeah, looking forward to that one. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, we, we play well on Monday nights. We have a very good record, and we've played well against the Rams for many years now. Um, but the rivalry, to answer your question, was severe. I remember growing up as a kid, we would lose, and I just hated the Rams, hated them. Um, and they just beat us all the time um, in the 50s and 60s and 70s, and then we turned it around in the 80s and 90s. One, one other point. And so the Rams um, <clears throat> moved to St. Louis for 21 years. And then I think the rivalry really declined. Um, we weren't playing LA. I mean, a lot of the rivalry is San Francisco and LA. It doesn't matter what team. Right. Um, they went to St. Louis for 21 years and it did decline. I mean, it wasn't as is you know severe um, well I think yeah and I think part of that real quick I think part of that is just the whole aspect of like regional rivalries that's one of the part, funnest things about college football is that you have like regions that are normally pretty close to each other 
And so the fans really get involved and the fans travel to the one place and then travel to the other. And that's why it was kind of weird. Like, how are the St. Louis Rams in the NFC West? And because the fans weren't going out there and their fans were coming to San Francisco. So I, I, I agree, not only from the competitive side of the game, but also from a fan perspective, I, they definitely became less of a rivalry. But bringing them back is back and it is back. Yeah. See, they basically... We were gone for 21 years, so that was life, Josh. I mean, the Rams were not here. You didn't right. grow up with a team. I mean, local team. Um, there was San Diego Chargers, but um, the Rams were in St. Louis for 21 years. So everybody in your age group, you know, all, all the LA people, I didn't have a team. That's why a lot of them are Raider fans. Yeah, and, and a few, a few Charger fans. Um, but, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. One last thing, Grandpa, uh, you uh, put up a slide, you sent us a slide, and I thought it was very interesting, and I did, wouldn't have known that piece of trivia, but the Rams began in Cleveland in 1937. So I, that is, I think, a really interesting piece of trivia. Um, and they moved to L.A. in 1946, and that's when that rivalry with the Niners started. So, yeah, right. I thought. Uh, Cleveland is the original home of the of the Rams. Yeah, I love that. The Cleveland Rams. Mm -hmm. I don't remember that they they played there from thirty seven to forty six, and I I was four years old then, so I don't remember the Rams being in Cleveland, but that's where they started. And then they played here in L.A. Um, where we live, and moved to St. Louis and, and now they're back, you know, so they've kind of been a vagabond, mm -hmm. a gypsy. Yeah. And then just, to, you know, appreciate our, all of our listeners tuning in. So uh, everyone's probably wondering, you know, where are you guys? Uh, we, um, you know, grandpa grew up in the city of San Francisco, um, born and raised, through and through my mom, which is his daughter, was born in Daly City, just outside the city while grandpa was working, uh, worked for, I guess I don't need to put words in your mouth for grandpa, but worked for United Airlines out of SFO. And then the short story is that he was then transferred down to LAX and brought the family, of course, settled in Huntington Beach, where uh, the kids you know, grew up and, and my dad ended up meeting my mom down in Orange County, uh, where they have then since settled in Temecula which is about an hour south or kind of outside of uh, Orange County um, and still live today. So we, we live around LA fans. We live around um, <laughs> both Dodgers and Rams fans. So uh, this one is, it is a rivalry and I care about this game. I just, I hate seeing the, the Rams fans. I hate seeing the Dodgers fans. Uh, it's fun. It is fun though. Um, and I appreciate them. Uh, and the, the good rivalry that it is. Yeah. And just one little other thing was we moved south in 1970. Um, I all of a sudden discovered the 49ers are not on TV here. The Rams are on TV. So a couple of friends, um, there were six of us, including my good friend Wes, who listens to this, we started a club um, in Southern California in the 80s. And we went to this, these different pizza parlors. We, we got so many members. We started, there were six of us. 
we went to this pizza place and said, um, if you show the 49er games every Sunday, and many of them start at 10 a.m., some start at 1 p.m., we will buy more pizza than you sell any day of the week. And so we talked these guys into opening their pizza parlor early on a Sunday morning, and we did that. And then the club grew from six to over 300 um, eventually. And um, so we got to watch the games on Sunday that really weren't on here. So um, that, was, that was fun. We developed some wonderful relationships that have been lifelong. So anyway. And um, then, um, you know, I also think we should take the advantage of this game uh, against the Rams to talk about how, Dad, you played football with JT Snow, um, who is son of Jack Snow that played for the Rams. And so tell us a little bit about that. And then a grandpa, I know, you know, Jack as well. Yeah. 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 Uh, JT snow. I went to Los Alamitos high school and, uh, played with him. I was a linebacker. He was a defensive back. I was a year ahead of him. Um, and he was also a backup quarterback. So, um, great guy. I got to know him real well. And after I graduated the following season, he was quarterback. Um, had a great season. He was both, he played basketball, baseball, and football. He wow. could do all three sports. He was about six, six, two, probably 180, 185, kind of could be a, a guard in basketball, uh, first baseman in baseball, and a quarterback in uh, football. And uh, he and his dad, Jack Snow, um, who always wore a black leather jacket. He wore sunglasses like uh, like an like the airline pilot sunglasses. He was just the coolest cat you'd ever seen. He'd come to our after parties after football, and um, anyhow, he was a really nice guy, but kind of tan skin, and he just looked like kind of like a movie star guy. Um, but he and JT sat down, tried to figure out what would um, what direction what career athletically would be best for him or he'd have the most longevity and uh, the most success and they went with uh, baseball and obviously he had a golden glove career um, with uh, the Giants he also played with the Angels he won uh, a couple World Series I believe so anyhow yeah he was a great guy and then um, grandpa got to uh, ultimately knew that I knew Jack and I knew JT and uh, grandpa got to know Jack Snow through uh, United Airlines running into one another on a, a flight, I believe. Yeah, tell us about that, grandpa. That's a good story. So um, I would, my brother lived in the city and he had season tickets and I would fly up for about half the games. There's eight home games. So I would fly up for about four. In this one day, in fact, it was against the Vikings when Steve Young made his 48 yard run at the end of the game. So I am back at SFO, um, standing by to get on a flight and I see Jack Snow come into the boarding area. I would recognize these guys. I would never say anything to them. I didn't want to bother them. And then later Jerry Kramer came in. He was on the flight as well. He was the guard for Green Bay those years um, with Vince Lombardi. But anyway, so I eventually get my seat assignment and I get on the airplane and my seat partner is Jack Snow. So I, 
you know, I thought, okay, I've got him for an hour. I want to ask him some questions that I've always wanted to know the answers to. And you can tell very quickly if your seat partner wants to talk and they generally don't. And I respect that. So I was climbing over him to get to my seat. And I said, hey, Jack, how you doing? He goes, I'm good, how are you? And I could tell he was wanted to talk. So we talked for an hour. I won't go through that stuff, but he um, maybe another time. And so we're landing in LA and he said to me, he was, I should mention, he was doing mutual radio for the NFL. So they would, the kind of the best Sunday game um, Tony Roberts, who was the Notre Dame radio announcer, play-by-play -play guy, um, and Jack Snow would do kind of the best NFL game that Sunday. So every Sunday they were going to a different stadium. So we're landing in LA and Jack says to me, Mike, I really enjoyed talking to you. And I said, Jack, I really enjoyed talking to you. He said, would you like to come and sit in the booth with me the next time I'm at Candlestick. And I said, that would be the thrill of my life. So I gave him my card and we walked off the airplane and I thought to myself, wrongly, uh, I thought I will never hear from him, but it was a wonderful hour. And about two weeks later, he calls me and he says, I'm doing the game Sunday at Candlestick. Do you wanna come and sit in the booth with me? I said, you're kidding. And so for the next eight years, we did that about twice a year. And he would get me a media credential. We became wonderful friends. Um, and then one other quick little side note. So in the radio booth, you have to be totally quiet. And I'm standing behind him. It's a very small area. There's a play-by-play -play guy. There's a, a stat guy in the middle and then the color guy who was Jack Snow. So I would stand behind Jack. And I mean, there wasn't a lot of room. And he would say, if you're gonna cough or something, go outside. Don't, can't say a word. So after a couple of games, I said to him, cause I felt I needed to do something. He's doing this wonderful thing for me. Um, and I said, Jack, do you, would you like it if I handed you statistics and, during the game and he looked at me right in the eye and he said, how do I know they're correct? And I thought for a minute and I said, you don't. Because I can't do that because whenever we make a mistake on the radio, a thousand people call in and say, that was wrong. They, it wasn't in that year, it was this year or whatever it is, it's gotta be accurate. And I said, well, it would be accurate, but you don't know me yet. So, um, so after another couple of games, one day we're, and we'd fly up together on the plane and fly back. And so we spent all the, the, the whole sun, day Sunday together. And he said, he said, okay, you can start handing me stuff. And so I had to write it out, you know, Bill Romanowski, that's his third interception in his career. And I hand it to him and Jack would say it on the radio. And then this one final note, because I have a million little stories with Jack Snow, but um, <clears throat> this one time we're playing the San Diego Chargers and it was when Dan Fouts was playing and Joe Montana. And in the first quarter, San Diego marched down the field and scored a touchdown. And then the 49ers scored 
a touchdown and the quarter was over. And so they broke for commercial and Jack turns around to me and he says, Mike, do you ever remember just two um, possessions in a quarter? I said, no. So they came back on air and he says, I just talked to Mike Casey and he doesn't remember this ever happening before. And, and the funny part was I had a friend in Houston, Texas, who used to work in LA, he was a customer of mine, and he was out driving with his wife and listening to the 49er game on mutual radio, and he hears my name. So the next day he calls me. Now that wasn't you, was it? I said, yeah. it was me. So anyway, um, I have a bunch more Jack Snow's, a wonderful man, wonderful guy. Um, he just, he did a lot for me. And uh, it was fun. I, he would take me around and introduce me to the other announcers, to John Madden. Um, later, Bill Walsh was doing announcing, uh, Dick Enberg. You know, I met all those guys. Not that I know them, I don't, but I did meet them. Mm -hmm. So um, <clears throat> anyway. A little, little more tribute just to Jack Snow. Um, uh, he went to St. Anthony's High School in Long Beach. Um, he went to Notre Dame. He was a, all, a consensus All-American, finished fifth in the Heisman Trophy uh, in 1964, was drafted in the first round to the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, Sky lived quite a life, was traded to the Rams, and then had a, you know, a, a, a stellar career with the Rams. I mean, he's synonymous with the Rams in the 60s, Jack Snow. Um, but he, he was a great guy. Um, and then unfortunately, he died at the, only the age of 62 in 2005 as the result of a staph infection, I think with the Kansas City or uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, was it the Chiefs? Um, it was St. Louis. He, Louis, Louis. he moved to St. Louis to be a Ram announcer. I actually got involved in that and it helped. I wrote a letter to Georgia Frontieri and said, do you know what you have right in front of you. We've got Jack Snow, an all-time player for the Rams. He should be one of your announcers. The next year he was. Not that I had anything to do with it, but um, yeah, he was a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, and, he, and he really knew football really well. Did he say, did, did you ever tell him that you were my, my father-in-law? And oh, did, sure. he, did yeah. he remember me and how I played football? He did, in fact, what he, I told him that, on our first flight, I said, um, my son-in-law played with your son at Los Alamitos High. And he said, what was his name? And I said, Jared Jumpstead. Oh yeah, Jared was a great linebacker. If he was bigger, he would have been a great college player and probably made the pros. He just wasn't big enough. <laughs> and Jack Snow said that, yeah. So that was that helped pave our, our can't way. Teach height. Sorry, Dad. Can't teach height. <laughs> I know. I, that was good, though. I'm I'm glad Jack remembered me and uh, had good things to say. Oh, he did for sure. Yeah, big time. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, rest rest in peace, Jack Snow. Um, and JT, if you're listening to this, you got to come on the show, bro. I'm just yeah, kidding. right on. <laughs> but uh, that would actually be really really fun.
Uh, well, well, great. Well, this has been super fun. I, I, I'm glad we got to spend a little bit of time about that. Uh, let's do our score predictions. So we talked about how this game is going to be pretty evenly matched. The Niners are favored by one and a half. Uh, Grandpa, what do you think? What, what do you, what's your score prediction? Well, I, I kind of seesawed this week. I, <clears throat> um, if you would have asked me this on Monday, I would have said the Rams would have, would win, but I, I now think the Niners will win 27-24. Um, the Niners are favored. They opened a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I was a little surprised to see that. I was glad to see it, but I was a little surprised. So I have it. the Niners 27, the Rams 24. Cool. Dad, what are you thinking? I'm thinking it's going to be a little tight. I, I'm, I'm going 49ers 21. Rams 17. That's exactly what I said. Sorry. Niners, Niners 21, Rams 17. Correct. I think it's going to be a little, little low scoring or okay. um, it'd be different. Maybe I'll say Niners 20, Rams 17. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit low, lower scoring. We'll hold them back. We'll hopefully not hold ourselves back too much. Uh, but my kind of prediction for the game is that there's going to be a very big defensive play. Uh, not, not sure what that is, but a, a turnover, a pick six, um, something of that, that's going to be the difference maker, and it's going to be uh, in our favor this week. So right now, Matthew Stafford has thrown four touchdown passes. He has five interceptions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe a pick six. Would be awesome. Ooh. One of, my, one of my favorite pick sixes I've ever watched once again, I'm a, I'm a big Fred Warner fan, was I believe also on midnight uh, Sunday, the Monday night football and where they were thrown out to the flat. I think it was Jared Goff was thrown out to the flats and Fred Warner read it like a book and picked it off and ran it um, in for a touchdown. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, they're all... Good. So we need to get some turnovers. We're minus one on the year now after last week's three yep. that uh, went the other way. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, a great episode of 49ers Family. Um, appreciate everybody for listening, joining in. I'll have more for you next week. And uh, once again, if you have any feedback, questions, hot takes, email us um, 49ers Family, 49ers Family Podcast at gmail.com. That's with 49ERS. All right. Until next time, go Niners. Go, go Niners. Niners. Go Niners.